Um, if you want to open up your books to Acts 5, we're going to kind of continue where Rory left off. Um, and if you guys remember, uh, Rory's sermon, when he did it, was titled Generosity and Hypocrisy. And uh, we're going to be dealing with the latter half of that, the hypocrisy part, and uh, kind of looking at the comparison between uh, Barnabas and Ananias and um, the events that took place with that. And so if you guys remember... Um, Barnabas's name was son of encouragement. So kind of the opposite of what we're going to see unfold in, in Acts 5 is, is an ex-Barnabas. And if you guys remember the joke, Rory was saying that Lindsay was an ex-Barnabas. But um, we're going to kind of see um, how Ananias and Sapphira grieved the Holy Spirit through, um, through the sin of hypocrisy. And so it's kind of interesting to look at uh, Barnabas's name that's translated son of encouragement. And if we look at Ananias's name, it's uh, translated Yahweh has been gracious. And so if you guys know the story of Ananias and Sapphira, um, it's just, it's kind of interesting to, to look at God's grace um, through Ananias and Sapphira's death. I'll try to work on not spitting in this thing. Um, let's read Acts chapter 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept, kept back part of the proceeds as his wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your, in your own control? Why have you conceived these things in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young man and the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the lamb for so much. She said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carried her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who, all who heard these things. <clears throat> Father God, I just ask that you would just meet us here at second service, Lord, and I just ask that you would, God, just give us ears to hear your word, Lord, and, and the sin of hypocrisy that we're going to look at, Lord, that we might understand how much you hate that sin, Lord, and how much you hate sin in general. God, just reveal your word to our hearts, Lord, and, and I just am thankful for a time to gather and a place to gather. God, just would you bring conviction where conviction needs to be um, had, Lord, and, and just remove any part of my flesh, Lord, um, that desires for this to sound good um, for men's sake, Lord, but that you would be glorified and made much of. Just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if we look at that first verse, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And so if we're looking at why they sold a possession, again, if we remember back in Acts 4 when the Holy Spirit was moving through the um, through the beginning of the church, and as... Um, as a standard, Barnabas brought his, his land and laid it before the apostles' feet. And so 
um, I think the idea of them selling a possession was to ride on the coattails of that. And they were, they were um, bringing um, a possession that they had and they were laying it at the Lord's feet. Um, and this, this was a good move in the right direction. And it's something that I think, um, I think that Barnabas, as he was doing that, that was, that was being the son of encouragement was encouraging others to do the same. And so perhaps that's why they sold their possession. But as he kept back a part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles feet. So it's no big deal at first glance. In fact, the sin isn't the fact that they brought any portion of the land. They weren't even required to give any. The problem was um, that they were they were hiding or not deciding to say that they they sold it for so much and and why they were keeping back some of it for themselves. And so what this isn't is a section where we get to blame the husband or the wife. And wives, I know what you're thinking because we've done this since the beginning in Genesis when. Uh, Eve took the apple. It's really easy to put blame on the woman for that, you know. And so here is, isn't an example of a husband bringing a wife down. The choice was both of theirs. And in both circumstances, uh, to keep the record straight, the point wasn't uh, whether or not who did it. The choice was that they made in hiding it in secret from God like he would never know. Uh, the, the point is that the condition of the heart, regardless of who is involved, and who did what? If we look back at Genesis 3, 6, and 13, in the garden, Adam tried to blame Eve and essentially tried to blame God for giving him Eve. It was a heart condition that God dealt with in both circumstances. The point is, is that sin leads to death, and this is a great example of that. So they brought a certain part and laid it before the apostles. Like I said, this was good momentum in the right direction. It is what the church was establishing through the Holy Spirit, and it was amazing at first. It was a pure form of church, and like Rory said, pure form of communism or communal living. And it's not the same uh, that we see today. It's much different. Nobody was forced to lay anything at the apostles' feet. Um, it, was, it was a move of the Holy Spirit as they had conviction or as they had the ability and the circumstance to give, they did, of their own will. And so it's much different than communism today. It's not a pure form of that. So... Um, as we look at that, uh, and we can kind of see that this only lasted a short while because it didn't continue as churches got established um, later on. And um, it's not that we still talk about tithing and giving, and it's, it's kind of the, the idea that this communal type of living where people of one accord were living together and giving, giving out of the, the, their heart to serve the Lord um, people kind of refracted from that because in, in, in God dealing with the sin, people became fearful. And we see that in Acts 5, 11, and 13. It says, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. So there wasn't a continuation of people wanting to join this generous type of communal living or fellowship. Um, the model of being generous still added people to the Lord daily. We see that in Acts 5, 14. But once people saw how God dealt seriously with the sin of hypocrisy, I think people stepped back and questioned their own heart. And this is for me today, too. Um, it's something that that if it was happening today, it might be something that we look back and, and say, whoa, well, if, if he's a hypocrite, um, 
man, so am I. So, so at, at that point, like, so it's good that they stepped back and, and would question their heart, but they were still added to the Lord. And so it just took away from that communal type of living. Um, you know, perhaps this was a utopian way of living. It, it might've been a glimpse into heaven as everybody came together and gave of one accord and, and people, um, didn't desire to get any praise for themselves. They laid it at their feet. And that's, that was a design from the beginning. But because of man's sin and what God meant for good, um, man has defiled and, and glorified himself. And perhaps if we look at Ananias' name, Yahweh has been gracious. The idea behind that was that this was the grace for his church. The sin of hypocrisy would be purged out. And as we see that the Holy Spirit would give the increase. God's name would be magnified. This is a great example of the father's discipline for his kids. In Proverbs 3, 1 through 12, reads, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as the Father, the Son, in whom he delights. You guys, and that's an example that was set forth by, by God to the church to keep his church pure. And it's, it's something that... Um, you know, we hold that model for our own kids, you know, and the fact that, that the older one sometimes learns so the younger one doesn't have to. Now, this isn't always the case. Um, some people don't learn. If you're, if you're running away from the correction or you desire to not be found out, um, this is something that allows our flesh to, to be able to... Um, testify to ourselves that we think we, we have the ability to be able to know uh, what's right or wrong in this situation. Looking at this, you guys, I believe that there's, uh, that we still have sin that's causing death just as rampant within the community of believers, and it's the same sin, hypocrisy. It's confessing to live one way and actually living another, or restoring God's word for the gain of our own self-righteousness. You guys, I don't trust my own heart or my own flesh to be any different in this circumstance than Ananias other than the example that was set before me because of them. But even knowing that, my desire is still for people to think that I'm more righteous than I actually am. You know, I give little innuendos sometimes when, when we're talking or if I'm talking to somebody and, and I, I desire for them to hear the, the part that makes me sound good. Even if I'm telling a story, be like if I'm you know, I, I was up at four. I'm really tired today, but I was reading my Bible, of course, at four, you know. Um, 
And there I was praying and getting ready to teach Acts 5. And that sounds really good. I mean, I, I, mean, I hear that and I'm saying that. I'm like, man, that's pretty righteous. It sounds awesome. But you guys know, nine times out of ten, I put my Bible down, I get my cup of coffee, and I put the recliner back, and when I start praying, I fall asleep. The only thing that saves me in this scenario is the fact that we have a dog that loves Michelle, and I take her out to go to the bathroom, and then she kind of sits with me out there, and so I'm able to fall asleep, and she's kind of my alarm, because the minute that Michelle gets up for work, I'm able to fling my chair up and get my Bible set like my wife thinks I'm doing something good. And the fact of the matter is, is that I haven't fooled her. She knows by talking to me. Well, at least I think she does, so now she really does. But I think the idea is that I, desi- I, desire, I desire to look more righteous than I am. I haven't fooled Michelle and I haven't fooled God. You guys, a desire for God to help my flesh not want rest more than righteousness or knowledge or wisdom. So Peter asks Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? I think because it's hypocrisy. It's not dealing with godly conviction. And he's trying to hide, trying to hide to save his appearance of integrity. But you guys, God knows the heart. He sees us hiding in the garden. If we remember in Genesis, when Satan questioned God by asking Eve in Genesis 3, 1, did God really say not to eat from all the trees? You guys, this is Satan's MO. He's been doing it since the beginning of time. He loves for us to question the character of God by listening to our own wicked hearts. And we know we can't trust that. You know, what does our heart of confession and repentance look like when, we, when our sin is revealed? to us in our own lives. You know, do we just step back and say, it was the woman's fault? Or are we willing to humble ourselves and come and come into the light so that we might expose the sin and not allow Satan to fill our hearts to question the character of God or the authority of God? I believe we see Peter using um, the gift of knowledge and we can see that in 1 Corinthians 12, 8, it speaks of the diversity of gifts used by the Spirit. And so perhaps the, the gift of, of knowledge or wisdom or discernment. But he instantly knows the minute he talks to Ananias that he's grieved the Spirit. Just by observation. So if we pay attention to the fact that, that Peter questions him and asks him, why has Satan filled your heart. And that might be important to highlight too, as it points out the fact that it was not God's choice to have Ananias fall into sin. It was a clear choice on his own part. Again, if we look at what Adam had said when he was asked by God, what have you done? He pointed his finger right at Eve. Genesis three twelve. the woman whom you gave me, he tries to place blame on God. He's not willing to accept the fact that he sinned against God. And this part's so interesting to think. It's like, Adam, I didn't hear you complaining when you were walking naked, eating fruit with her all day, chilling. Like, that wasn't a deal for you. But now you want nothing to do with her that you got exposed. So you see, we don't want to be exposed for the poor choices that we make. Therefore, I'm not going to claim it and, and live in repentance until we're forced to. 
if we're faced with the consequences, then we're forced to, and it's, it's much worse, trust me. Sin leads to death, and like I said, this happens to be a really good example of that. In my own heart, too, it's easy to look at this and say, oh, we would never do that. I'm a devout believer. I come to church. I go to home group. I even give my time every once in a while. You guys, this is a great part to stop and look at Ananias and Sapphira and the fact that I'm not going to get into theology, but it doesn't say anything about them losing their salvation or anything like that. They were a part of the believers that were one accord in the book of, in, in, the, uh, in chapter four, when the church got established. They watched the Holy Spirit shake the room. So they knew and understood. And in a moment of weakness, they allowed Satan to tempt their hearts. They weren't willing to deal with it right when it happened. And this reminds me of a story. Um, when I was in like fifth grade, uh, we I grew up in Mitchell uh, and um, I had a Red Rider BB gun. And first service, I asked if I could get an amen, and nobody else said that. So does anybody, anybody ever have a Red, Red Rider BB gun? Okay, good. Um, I was pretty good with it. Uh, I shot all kinds of things with it. I shot my sister. Uh, shot our dogs a couple times. I killed some birds, and I cried once because of that, I think. But I think uh, Jurassic Park had came out around that time, and I remember watching it. But I remember I was down at our, our barn and there's a diesel tank and the tractor was sitting by the diesel tank. And, uh, I was, you know, I was excited from watching the movie or, or hearing about it or seeing something. And, and so I was down there shooting dinosaurs is what I was doing. And I walked across and I looked over and the tractor was right there. And of course it looked like T-Rex. And so I pulled the gun up and I shot and you guys, the instant that I heard the glass break, my first reaction was, how am I going to lie about this? It wasn't me. And I probably threw the gun and ran up to the house. But then I remember um, my stepdad coming up to me. And he said, were you throwing rocks down at the shop earlier? And I, and I know that I didn't confess because I'm confessing now, which I learned from me 25 years later is not the best time to confess a sin. So if you listen to this, I owe you a tractor window. I'm sorry, Chet. <laughs> but the idea is my first reaction is to run away from, from the discipline, to run away from the fact that that, that I'm a sinner. Even for the sake of hurting someone else or making someone else pay for that. That's not a good place for us to land. We live through those examples of people that, that went before us. Um, and, and maybe this is why the standard was set to establish how much God hates sin. People still got added to the Lord daily. It wasn't a fact if they were fearful of, of be, becoming um, in relationship with God or, or Christ. It was the fact that this happened to, to uh, Ananias and Sapphira, and they didn't want to be a part of that. And I, I would have done the same. That would be a fearful thing to know about. <laughs> Verse 4, while it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived these things in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And so this is a good thing to highlight too, verse uh, four and three, um, just to point out 
that alludes to the deity of God. If, if that's something that you guys want to highlight, that's a great place to say, look, he lied to the Holy Spirit, he lied to God. They're one and the same. So that's just a, a good place to highlight for that reason. But this seems to be a rhetorical question because the answer is yes. He didn't have to give anything and he didn't have to sell his land. It was all his own still when he did all that stuff. He could have just said, yeah, for so much, but we were only feeling led to give this much. And that would have been just fine. The problem was that he was lying to God. Claiming to give it all and keeping back a portion for himself. It was complete hypocrisy. Perhaps if we even look at how people marveled at at Barnabas at the end of chapter 4, Rory discussed this in detail, but he had mentioned to be a Barnabas and not an ex-Barnabas. Be an encourager, not a a discourager, um, not grieving the Holy Spirit, but giving freely and generously with the intention to glorify God. I think they desired some of the praise themselves and they wanted to be like that guy. You know, they followed the example of Barnabas But then they allowed the fact that perhaps Barnabas, you know, like I said, maybe, maybe there was some praise on other people's part or, or they marveled at it. And so the the idea was like, well, if we give this much, then people are going to marvel at us too, which may answer the question of why they did it. But this isn't an incident from the old Testament regarding a violation of Mosaic law. You guys, they happen to be believers that knew and experienced the Holy spirit and lived by faith by believing in Jesus Christ. So this should remind us to see, or this should remind us that God sees the heart. If you look in 1 Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. You guys, he hates sin. And he's concerned for the purity of his church. God had established that hypocrisy could not dwell among the believers of the early church. And we know this by Ephesians 3, 8, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I'm pretty sure he views sin the same. So how come this is still happening even as we, believe, as, we as believers bring it into the church as though nobody's going to find out? Because it's easy. It's easy to hide sin. It's easy to, but the problem is, is when we're not looking at it through the lens of Christ, we can't hide anything from God. We should have God search our hearts and purge, us, purge out any sin that his church can be purified And he could be made much of in our community, in the nations, and throughout the world. We can't do this when we are not of one accord and in cahoots to the sin of hypocrisy. If we look at Philippians 1.27, you know, Rory had mentioned this um, before, but it it points to the generosity of the church that flourished in chapter 4. You know, Paul was giving thanks in Philippians. He was giving thanks and sending some instruction to Christian unity. His thought on this was simple, and it's great directive for us today as we read that. That only in Christ are real unity and joy possible. With Christ as our model of humility and service, you can enjoy oneness of purpose, attitude, goal, and labor. 
You know, this was a truth that Paul illustrated in his life as we read his testimony. Yes, the Philippians church needed to be reminded, reminded of that, but insert Prineville 2022. How much unity do we need today? To not be self-centered and giving only what we are comfortable with and not, like Rory says, filling the pinch so others don't have to fill the squeeze. You guys, if there's a question of loving people in our body or there's, there's a need that needs to be met, I think we say this time and time again, but ask the Lord to search your heart and be the difference. Go love on the person if you see they need to be loved on. If we can all do that, if every person did that, there wouldn't be a person that didn't need to be loved on. We would be living in unity. This would be the standard for us to have unity, generosity, and Holy Spirit-filled churches. So Ananias, hearing these things, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. Yeah, of course it did. I think, I think we can relate to that. If we saw someone dropping dead, we would probably be fearful as well. There are some commentaries that said he may have had a heart attack and dropped dead right there from being found out, which... Yeah, that could have been the case. But what's interesting to look at is as we read on, Paul was, or Peter was probably just as surprised that Ananias fell dead right there. And so what happens next is, is Peter kind of calls out Sapphira's death and says, look, the feet of those who took out your husband are going to take you out. And then she drops dead. And so there's an understanding like God's serious about this and it's going to happen to whoever, whoever keeps trying to bring it into the church. You know, I don't land there at the fact that it might have been a heart attack. I think God dealt with this to preserve the purity of the gospel and set forth the example that he hates hypocrisy. You know, if we look at all the areas where his word wasn't so soft and gracious with dealing with sin, and in the back I have this glossary that just mentions and alludes to, to all the things that hypocrisy deals with, and um, I'm going to read them, and it's just it's kind of interesting just to listen um, to the severity of the things that are under the title of hypocrisy. So in the display of religion, uh, and in of its kind, it's, it's worldly. We see that in Matthew 23, 5 through 7. It's legalistic in Romans 10, 3. People use it for evangelical gain in, in 2 Peter 2, 10 through 22. It's satanic in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15. It's also described as self-righteous in Luke, holier than you in Isaiah, blind in Matthew. It's covetous in Second Peter, showy in Matthew, highly critical in Matthew, indignant in Luke, destructive in Proverbs, bound by tradition in Matthew, neglectful of major duties, pretended but unpracticed, interested in the externals, fond of titles, inwardly regenerate. And you guys, some examples of this are in Jacob, Jacob's son, Delilah, Ishmael, Herod, Pharisees, Judas, Ananias, Peter, and we can keep going. It's pretty evident that, that God has been gracious to us. And I know that this section is it's kind of somber. Uh, to talk about. Nobody likes to deal with sin. And nobody wants to be exposed for it. 
and I'm at the top of that list. Um, you know, this idea that, that godly living requires correction and repentance, it's a, it's a good thing. This is why we discipline our kids to change the course of, of their sinful behavior. Adam says this all the time, but you can, well, I don't know if you want me to say this. He means well by it, but we can see sin in our kids from the minute that they're, that they're little. They just choose to do what you tell them not to do. That's their bent. That's our bent, what we do to the Father, as we desire to do the opposite. And so um, it's a good thing to live in repentance and to understand that we're sinners. And this isn't something that we get away from because, um, you know, because we're believers. Like I mentioned before, Ananias and Sapphira were part of the one accord that launched the church into orbit. the hope of this message, you guys, and I, and I want to end with the gospel because I think through all this, as we continue to reading, we see the hope that Jesus Christ and his death on the cross has for us even today and even for the believers in the book of Acts and the church of, church of Acts. And so, yes, God has been gracious to us, but God gave it all so that we could have all. And sent his son to die on the cross. So what this hopefully does to us is purge out the sin that we deal with in hypocrisy in our own lives on a daily basis. And to lay it at the Lord's feet. Because he gave his only son for us that we'd have everlasting life. And that's the message that we need to hear. And hopefully that's the life that we emulate as we go out and talk to people in our community. Uh, if the worship team wants to come up, I'm going to read in Romans, um, Romans 6, and you guys can turn there with me if you want to. Time, it's going to make me cry when you play that piano again. <laughs> uh, chapter 6. The believer's death is to sin is principle. So we're going to go one, 1 through 11. <laughs> I thought he got that all out for service. <clears throat> what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do we not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism and death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, 
that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. Jeez. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over us. I can't see the words. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Guys, this last part is to understand that this is by faith. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, God gave it all so that we could have all. He sent Jesus Christ to die for all of us. But there's a point where we turn away from our sin and we turn to God and lay it at his feet because there's nothing that we can do that's going to make us righteous. Jesus Christ did that on the cross. And so I would say if there's a if there's a question in your heart today that says I don't know. I don't know if I'm worthy enough. Then I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or stand up or anything but You guys, there's a point where we have to to face the fact that we're sinners and we need a Savior. And if that's you today, just pray with me. If you're convicted, it's a good thing. Be disciplined. Because we don't know when tomorrow is coming. It might not. And that's not a tactic to scare anybody to say, oh, I got to do it now. God will work that out in your heart if you just give that to him. So just pray with me this morning. God, just ask that you would purge out the sin of hypocrisy in my life. God, help me desire to desire you over me, you over whatever thing it is, Lord, that I'm invested in. God, that I can come before you today on my knees to not live in sin, God, but just to live in your presence, Lord, before your throne. I just am so thankful 
God, that you gave us a way by sending your son to die on the cross for us. Just make that flow through my heart, Lord. We just love you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.